Hey y'all, and welcome to Southern Fried Spooky, the podcast home of all things Southern, Spooky, and this week, um, well-preserved. Oh, indeed. <laughs> I'm your Carolina girl, Heather, and that is your Florida man, Tony, eating some very hot chips from... And I'm your Florida man, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> we just got our Universal Yums box, and we have Indonesian chips. Oh my gosh, are they hot. They're good. I'm glad you like them. As always, we'd like to invite you up onto our virtual wraparound porch to come and sit for a spell, have some sweet tea, and share in our creepy stories. And perhaps some Indonesian hot potato chips. Lord. Or visit us on Facebook, Instagram, Patreon. Indeed. Today, the story is a bit of a short one, and there isn't a huge amount of narrative there. However, I thought it was kind of an interesting tale, and I wanted to share it. And we did have a fairly long one last week talking about Ghost in the Darkness. Mm -hmm. So, today, we're back to talking about Sideshow Mummies. And and listening to the cats rumble through the house. (laughs) And sprinkling of other historical weirdness. Yes. So, we are going to be talking about the West Virginia town of Philippi. Which I had only heard of in passing, really, until you said something. Philippi is a town of about 3,000 bustling metropolis located at well, the... that's in- barely a village. <laughs> located at the intersection of U.S. routes 119 and 250, if you want to find it. <laughs> well, our city is located at the intersection of... Yeah, right. <laughs> but, alright, for you history buffs, Philippi was the site of the first organized land battle, or, okay, more of a skirmish, of the Civil War on June 3rd, 1861. Now, reportedly, no one was killed at the Battle of Philippi, where Union troops attacked and scattered a Confederate force, but the battle did result in the first amputations of the war, including the leg of 18-year-old Confederate soldier James Hanger. Hanger would later design an articulated artificial leg for himself using barrel staves and then found a company producing artificial limbs. The Hanger Orthopedic Group is still a leading supplier of prosthetics. Nice. Okay, so this is totally irrelevant to the basic story, but I thought it was just a perfect tidbit to throw in. Well, the fact that he seems to be the pioneer of prosthesis, yes. At least um, more recent ones, and just too delightfully macabre not to share. It was like back then they had like peg legs and stuff. (laughs) Crutches. Yeah. Yeah, That's about all you had. Okay, moving on. See, I told you it was going to be a little short. We're only like, what, three minutes in? Mm Mm-hmm. So, yay, artificial limbs. That's a start. If you're into that sort of thing, I'm now thinking of Flannery O'Connor and a good man is hard to find. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Look into your southern lit. It's it's a, an interesting story. The former Philippi B&O Railroad. B&O, that's one of the ones you get in uh, Monopoly, yeah, right? Monopoly, yeah. Uh, that railroad station is now home to a local museum. And tucked inside the Barber County Historical Society Museum... There lie two well-preserved bodies that share a curious history. Hmm. So, for several years, West Virginia's own backwoods Frankenstein, Graham Hamrick. He was very interested in the process of mummification and preserving things, and he was fascinated by Egypt and the pharaohs. He mummified all sorts of once-living things, both uh, animal and vegetable, with his patented embalming potion. He experimented on vegetables, snakes, the head of a man that he kept in a jar. I don't know where he found that. Did the dog say Abby normal? (laughs) (laughs) 
As we said, he wanted to recreate the unique methods of post-mortem preservation, but more cheaply. Um, he used a secret concoction, he claims, was created using only a nickel's worth of ordinary, easily obtainable ingredients like you could get from the grocery store. So, wow. Wow. Now, according to Jason Burns, a West Virginia folklore collector and storyteller, he had an interesting hobby, whereas he took these mummies and he researched the Bible and tried to find out ways that the Egyptians mummified the bodies, and he succeeded after many, many, many attempts. That's I, a lot of many attempts. And I can't say as I distinctly remember in Bible study hearing about the discussion of post-mortem yeah. techniques for They're the pharaohs. Real. I think at most it just says maybe that they did it. I'm not even sure if it's mentioned there. Anyway, now according to the museum, the mummies are unique. <sighs> the cats now have the mouse with the bell on it. They are unique because the Egyptians would remove the body's organs. Um, and if you're into creepy stuff, you know that the brain came out the nostril. And they were put in jars called canopic? Yes. But Hamrick left the organs in. The whole reason you take them out is that because they're soft, they're squishy, they tend to decay and liquefy, mm -hmm. and they just don't make the process easy. So how he did this with grocery stuff, no one's quite sure. You know, the entirety of, of Hamrick's process is unknown. Can you hand me the Lysol, a stick of gum, and a cup of milk? I mean, if you watch Caitlin Doty before she was on her little sabbatical, she would talk about like, everyone was trying to come up with embalming processes, and the good ones, they always were secret. And mm. that is always the case. Mm. Someone creates it, and then the formula dies with them. Once he felt like he had his formula down, Hamrick allegedly purchased... He bought two recently deceased female bodies and a deceased baby from the local asylum to practice his mummification on in 1888 from what is now called the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. Oh, Trans-Allegheny. Yeah. Oh. I don't know if the baby belonged to either of them, and we won't even get into why are they in the habit of selling the bodies i mean well this is also the 1800s yeah i don't know if it's more of a statement about their views on women at the time or about the mentally ill or maybe well, a both let, let's <laughs> face it if a woman was let's just say in the mood she was considered to be uh what was the term that they used i'm not even sure um yeah like hysterical well he bought these unclaimed bodies and in many articles I read about this, they were referred to as insane, the insane mummies. Um, at, ah. But I couldn't find a whisper, a hint regarding any biographical information about the women. No names. So nothing. No relations. Wow. Age. They're just the mummies, or sometimes the insane mummies, reduced to exhibits. I do think the museum actually has the name of at least one of them because um, there are some records. So you have to consider the somber circumstances that those unfortunates who found themselves committed to the state lunatic asylum. Indeed. As Tony has already mentioned, the pretext for commitment, for, especially for ladies, were many yeah. um, for unusual or inconvenient women. You know, lesbianism was still considered a mental problem. Well, I mean, even back then... Being, like I said, sexually aroused was considered hysterics. Yeah. 
um, being headstrong, being opinionated, those yeah. are all great well, reasons to put your wife away. Um, they are the mummies are believed to be such lady female inmates, one who died of tuberculosis. Okay, so we know that much, oof. and the one who died in childbirth. Which makes me wonder if the baby was hers, but we don't know. This is a sad footnote here. Among the interpretive displays is a copy of a letter one of the women had sent to her family asking to be allowed to come home to Phippoli. Philippi. Damn. The letter was returned unopened. Oh, wow. So I think they have a clue about who at least one of them might be, um, who they were in humanity, in life. And as I said, they were labeled the insane mummies and... I, I don't know. That's just... It's kind of a sad statement about them. Well, I don't like the sad, blanket label of insane. It, it's kind of a sad statement in general because, I mean, just back then, you could die without a name. Like, yeah. I mean, it was just so easy just to pass away and no one go, and everybody goes, huh, okay, that's fine, and, and just move the hell on. And easy to put away, as we said, inconvenient relatives. Yeah. Eh, such were the late 1880s. Look, so- I may like history bound that but it's not like i really want to go back to them no no like i like the style the clothing stuff like that like if you're asking about the politics and everything else (laughs) no they can keep the social mores yeah no no no, they can keep that crap back to hamrick yeah since he's the one who gets to have a name in this his experimental mummies went on to have quite illustrious careers uh, making money for whomever quote owned them at the time they toured with P.T. Barnum's circus around the world. I did not know that Phineas Barnum actually used mummies. Yeah. Like, I knew that he had the soul monkey fish kind of mermaid. Oh, yeah, the that, Fiji mermaid. Yeah, but that was, like, I didn't know that he dealt with, like, actual human remains. Sometimes. Wow. I mean, I think he just dealt with whatever looked interesting, real or not. Yeah. Um, curiously, they eventually caught the eye of the Smithsonian Institute. When approached by the renowned institution... He had a bit of a dilemma. The Smithsonian made him an offer to display his mummies, but they would require his methods and formula. He decided not to take them up on it. He did not reveal his secrets, and the mummies were returned to Philippi. And according to the museum, the mummies are... No, I've already said that. Um, they have their organs in, and we don't know the rest of the process. Yeah. Now, after his demise... <laughs> Hamrick was not mummified, but apparently he wanted to be. He left his potion, like leftover potion, I guess the last little bit, and instructions. So we have some of it written down. But his assistants were too squeamish. What kind of assistants are that? Like, I'm squeamish, I would not volunteer to work in a morgue. Wow. Maybe administrivial type stuff, but like... (laughs) Right. So his very simple headstone is in Mary's Chapel Cemetery, which I assume is in Philippi. The mummies, there are ladies, were forgotten for years and apparently lost before being discovered, tucked away safely in a barn. A local Philippi resident took ownership of them. I guess you just go, hey, I'll take them. And as legend tells Wait, it... the mummies fall under the finder's keeper's rules? In 1880s, maybe? Okay. You know, I mean, why not? Maritime salvage law? <laughs> No, and he kept them. Get this under his bed in 1985. The town was inundated by 35 feet of flood water. Boof, and they were completely waterlogged. Which, if you think about that, they were laid out on the front lawn of the post office. I don't know why to dry out. The baby, however, who also has no name, 
took too much damage, and was allegedly buried in a local cemetery. Wow. So someone else, another unnamed man, was able to clean and preserve them. And then later, the Bayer family in Philippi took charge of the bodies and arranged for the local museum to display the mummies under the condition that the money from admission to see them, one whole dollar, thank you, Wow, would go towards I know, right? Would go towards a scholarship at the local high school and to provide library books. So, okay, not bad. So after that, the mummies were are on display in a small room of the historical society with a dehumidifier. One would think that you would be smart enough to put a dehumidifier in the room. Well, I guess they had to wait for it to be invented, you know. Yep. And one lady does have a letter from her brother while she was staying at the Weston Insane Asylum. I don't know what the rest of her story is. Yeah. Oh, also, the mu- museum has one of the mice that Hamrick preserved. Wow. Yeah. The legend, if you will, of the mummies of Philippi yeah. has grown over the years, but obviously they're kind of historical anomalies. These world travelers finally found their home, and so if you ever find yourself near Philippi, Make sure to make a stop at the Barber County Historical Society Museum to get a peek at the two of Barber County's most popular and well-traveled dead residents. Yeah, it's, it's, but I don't know. It depends on if you're into things like that. Oh, yeah. Well, I assume if you're listening to our podcast, you probably are. Yeah. Also, apparently, the private room that houses them used to be a restroom back when the museum was still a train well, station. Well, that's just wrong. <laughs> I assume they changed out the plumbing. I don't know. Yeah. It would only make sense if you have a dehumidifier. Okay, now, like I said, there's not a huge amount of story about them. It's just they were, they're were they there. Yeah. And a little bit of background on why they're there. Yeah. But Philippi has... Okay, we have that. We have the prosthetic company. Yes. There is a third kind of creepy claim to fame about Philippi. Which I think is amazing. And it's... A connection to the Adams family, which I'm always excited about. Yep. It is the home of our six foot nine inch actor, Ted Cassidy. Yep. Which, if you don't know it, but you should, Ted Cassidy was the character actor most famous for playing the character of Lurch in the 1960s Adam Family TV series. He was also Thing. He did most yes. of Thing's hands work. Yes, back when Thing only could live in a box, he was also Thing. And they, at Philippi, hold, they're really excited about that. I would be. So they hold an annual Lurch Fest mm-hmm. in early August. Just in case you're interested. Yeah, and also, you know, he graduated with a bachelor's degree in speech and drama in 1951. He That's also spent 10 years doing various jobs that included DJ work. Like, his, he was very renowned for his... His like his vocal presence. Well, he does have a fabulous voice. Oh yeah, he was Ted. Which Ca- he didn't really he get was... to do that much while as Lurch. Lurch didn't say a lot initially. Yeah. But get this, Ted Cassidy played Butch Cassidy in Butch ah! Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Fabulous. Yep. Uh, he, yeah, I remember he was in westerns. Like, he was he, in other he stuff. Did so much. Yeah, like I mean, he had a long storied kind of. Career being career, yeah. a very distinct character actor. Because yep. if you look that distinct, you can only do but so much. Oh, yeah. I mean, he even had, like, he was in The Outer Limits. He was in Star Trek. Oh, he was yeah. In, like, any kind of role that was they needed someone very tall for. And with an amazing deep voice. Exactly. They got him to do it. And eventually he stopped taking roles that were all about his height. 
Oh, yeah. And only did stuff on stage, and then eventually he came to realize that his height was what was making him popular. Yeah. And went back into it and, and um, died quietly at the age of 75. Not bad. Yeah. Uh, yep. I, I'm a big Ted Cassidy fan. Obviously. I think Jackie Coogan, yes. Who was also a child star yep. with Charlie Chaplin, but we won't get into that and right now. And Jackie Coogan also, like, spearheaded the tree children right in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, again, that's another tale for another time. Probably not ours. But we are also big movie buffs, you can probably tell. At least of old cinema. I couldn't really tell you what's on now, except for apparently Barbie is a big thing. And Oppenheimer, I guess. Yeah. Which we might could you check out, because that sounds kind of creepy. Yeah. So, once more, alas, as I said, this was a short one. We come to the conclusion of our latest episode... Um, I have a fairly long list of sources on this, but none of them had a lot of detail. And sadly, no names. I know, except for the the guy who did the thing. Yeah. So, but I still think it was a good topic. It's kind of neat and creepy. As always, we invite you to leave us some comments and Indeed. tell us what you think. Also, pretty much wherever you are, be careful out there. I think we're all dealing with record high temperatures no matter where we live. I mean, yeah, like, what, last week was the hottest they have in, like, 100,000 years? Well, I don't know, but here in South Carolina, it's been upper 90s, which, of course, is in Fahrenheit, sorry. Um, And I have no doubt other places are much worse. I've heard that Arizona has had something like 30-plus days straight over 110. Yes. Um, Stay cool. Hydrate. If you're in a cold place, think of us. Send us chilly thoughts. be, Be safe, because the... Playing with the heat is not something good. Yeah, I sort of dread fair this year. We're no, going to die. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but join us next week for another dose of whatever chilly topic we have. And in the meantime, I'm your Carolina girl, Heather. And I'm your Florida man, Tony. And we are Southern, Southern Fried, Fried Spooky. Spooky. Until next week, bye, bye, y'all. Now, that brain that you gave me, was it Hans Delbrooks? No. Ah. Good. Uh, would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry? I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. Abby normal. I'm almost sure that was the name. Are you saying that I put an abnormal brain into a seven and a half foot long, 54 inch wide gorilla? Is that what you're telling me?